0: It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, boots a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it! They're not gonna catch him! He's gonna go the distance! Touchdown! Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson! 92 yards! And <laughs> a touchdown!
1: Bell into the middle of that line. And it's a touchdown.
0: Big return for Crowder. 85 yards. Passed thrown. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll, he'll, he'll immediately hit immediately he got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the QA. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
2: From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time for Chronicles of Narnia and Part Three of the Sam Darnold Project with the man that the Chronicles of Narnia is named after. He is the resident stat nerd over at TurnOnTheJets.com, Gangrene Nation, Elite Sports New York, and JetsInsider.com with the very big deal Chris Nibley. He is, of course, Mr. Michael Narnia. Michael, what's going on, sir? I'm doing great. Looking
1: forward to talking some more Darnold. I've been going through some other quarterbacks as well. I did Jimmy Garoppolo, Patrick Mahomes. So getting a lot more perspective uh, with the grading system. What a good score looks like, what a bad score looks like. So uh, it's been really interesting. So to come back, uh, circle back to this, talk some more Darnold is going to be a lot of fun. It's always great to talk about Sam. He is a, uh, he's our greatest hope we've had in a long time. And I definitely think He's going to fulfill all that potential, but a lot of ups and downs so far. So he's uh, a really fun guy to talk about just because of uh, everything that has gone into his career and the roller coaster ride it's been so far.
2: And we are going to talk about the comparison of Sam Darnold to some of those other quarterbacks at the end of the series. So once you get an idea of what Sam Darnold has done through the 26 games and you are completely familiar with Michael's criteria, it'll be easier for you to understand the comparisons. So when we get to the end of this project, you'll hear the comparisons between Darnold, Garoppolo, Patrick Mahomes, and maybe a couple of others. Who knows? We'll see where this whole crazy roller coaster ride takes us. It reminds me a little bit of the movie Old School when he's talking about what he's going to do the next day, Will Ferrell, and he says, eh, We might go to Home Depot. We'll see how crazy the day gets. I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. And that's kind of how it's going to be here on the podcast We could get wild and crazy, you just never know With two wild and crazy guys like myself and Michael But Michael, for now, let's not get wild and crazy just yet Let's stick with Sam Darnold And we'll move to week number 7 against the Minnesota Vikings Because in part 1, we did weeks 1 through 3 of the 2018 season In part 2, we did 4 through 6 And now we are at game number 7 And this is what a lot of people thought would be The Kirk Cousins revenge game In other words, the Jets trying to get the revenge on Kirk Cousins for spurning them. If you recall, the Jets tried to give Kirk Cousins a three-year, $90 million fully guaranteed deal. Instead, he took a little less money to go to the Minnesota Vikings because he felt that they were ready to win right now and because they were closer to the roots that Kirk Cousins had built in the Midwest, specifically Michigan. If you remember, Cousins went to college at Michigan State And this turned out to be the Kirk Cousins revenge game, all right. But the revenge was gotten by Kirk Cousins. Although, honestly, I'm not really sure what the revenge would be for. The Jets helped him drive up the price for Minnesota. So, if anything, this was Kirk Cousins just proving that Minnesota was right to invest some money into him. He didn't have an amazing game or anything like that. But he definitely played well enough for the Vikings to win, and they sure did. 37-17, the final score in this one. But this isn't a podcast about Kirk Cousins, Michael. This is a podcast about Sam Darnold. So let's talk a little bit about what he did in this particular game. And I thought this was interesting. Two of the weaker games that Sam Darnold had were against the Miami Dolphins, that game in week number two. And the Jaguars in week number four. And this game mirrored that in terms of the ratio between positive and negative plays. Because in this game, he had 19 positive plays to 21 negative plays. The Dolphins game, it was 19 to 17 And the Jaguars, it was 18 to 19, so very similar, almost a one-to-one ratio. And he gave him an overall score of 43, which isn't that terrible because of the fact that he had some really nice plays in this game. Even though overall he wasn't that good, the really nice plays bounced it out a little bit and made it so it was just a little bit below average rather than a disastrous grade like the game against the Cleveland Browns.
1: Yeah, this was a really interesting game for Darnold. The receivers did not help him out a lot in this one. Eric, I think Eric Tomlinson had a wide open drop that should have been a first down while the Jets were driving in the second half. Uh, Neil Sterling had a drop on a really good wheel route that he threw. So Overall, Darnold in this game, even independent of those mistakes, he was pretty inconsistent as you laid out with the ratio that I had him with uh, for positive to negative plays, but he was able to make up for that a little bit because he had some really good plays in this game. He had uh, corner route to Chris Herndon for a touchdown. Like I said, the wheel route to Neil Sterling. That was one of his best throws. Sterling dropped that one, I believe. He had another wheel route to Trent Cannon that Cannon actually caught this time. He had a lot of drops in 2018, but he did catch that one. So Darnold had some some of his best moments in this Vikings game, but he also missed a few throws. Uh, had I think he had three interceptions in this game. Two of them were pretty bad, but one of them was actually one of his better throws. Spencer Long had one of his classic bad snaps. Darnold Goes up and grabs it with one hand by his fingertips, and then uh, under pressure throws to a tightly covered Tron peak on a slant route. It hits him in the chest, but it bounces up in the air, and the Vikings pick it off. So it was a really weird game. There were good things he did that turned out bad in the box score. There were mistakes he made that he didn't necessarily get knocked for. Uh, so there were some. There was a lot of highs in this game, and his lows weren't necessarily that low because you know, especially the interception wasn't really his fault. There were dropped passes and even the couple of interceptions he did throw. They're really good plays uh, by the Vikings DBs uh, showing off a lot of range to go get the ball. So he had some high, high points in this game and he mostly stayed away from pretty bad mistakes in, in spite of the three interceptions because one of them wasn't his fault. But uh, overall, he was pretty inconsistent. His accuracy in this game was shaky. There were some quick throws that he missed on. So a 43, a below average game, but not a terrible game because he did have some of his best moments in this one. But it was interesting because this was his third consecutive game at home. He was really good in the previous two games against the Broncos and the Colts. Two good defenses. Not at that point, I don't think we thought they were good defenses. But as the season played out, both the Colts and the Broncos were elite defenses in 2018. And Darnold was great in those two games in two very different ways. Against the Broncos, it was a smaller sample size performance. He made a couple of huge plays and they didn't really need to do that much, but he made those two huge bombs to Robbie Anderson. And then the Colts game was a lot different. Andrew Luck was playing really well, kept scoring and scoring, so the Jets really needed Darnold to come back and keep mounting scoring drives to keep up with Andrew Luck, and he did that. They scored a bunch of field goals in that game. Uh, He was very consistent in that one. Nothing really huge, but he just kept hitting slant after slant, uh, playing really consistently in that Colts game. So two great games at home against solid opponents. Again, not at that time, but... As it turned out, both those teams were pretty solid defensively. So then another game, a third home game in a row against the Vikings, a better team than the, Vi- uh, than the Broncos and the Colts, a good defense. And uh, Darnold was not terrible, but definitely was a step back uh, from those past two games, some struggles with his accuracy in that one. But he did flash some really nice high points. And, th- again, the team really did not help him out, having to catch snaps one-handed, his tight ends dropping wide-open passes in the flat. Uh, so they did not help him out a lot, but his accuracy – took a dip in this game. So it was interesting because it's kind of, this Vikings game is part of that three-game homestand, but in terms of how he performed, it's a lot closer to what he would do the following two weeks, which we'll talk about next. But uh, yeah, this was a up-and-down performance. Some real some of his best high points of the season, some of his best throws came in this game, but it was a really inconsistent game, and they were trailing most of the time. So uh, he had 49 plays in this game, which is tied for his most of the season with the Texans game later on. So they really needed a lot from him. And a lot of those bad plays were actually later in the game when they were just trying to play catch-up down by three scores. But overall, a very iffy performance. Some really good high points, but inconsistent.
2: Just to look at the box scores, he was 17 of 42, 206 yards, 4.9 yards per attempt, a QBR of 6.7, 34.4, quarterback rating one touchdown, three interceptions.
1: Like this is one of his most uh, misleading box scores Mm because he was not that bad. Right. Definitely not. He wasn't good, but that makes it seem like it was his worst game of the season. But There were a lot of drops. Even, Mm -hmm. like I said, an interception that wasn't his fault. He was not even close to that
2: bad in this game. And that's where I was getting to because if you look at the rest of the box score, it'll help make up the rest of the story for you because the leading offensive weapon for the Jets that day was Trenton Cannon, which would be weird enough if he was the leading offensive weapon running the ball. But no, he was the leading receiver, four catches for 69 yards. And the Jets had 71 yards rushing the entire day. 18 of those were courtesy of Sam Darnold. Also thought this was interesting. The guy who produced the most yardage for the Jets on the day, Andre Roberts. Six kick returns, 193 yards. So that tells you how things went for the Jets overall. And as you said, Darnold didn't have a great day, but he wasn't helped much by anybody else around him, and it's a little bit misleading to just go by the box score. Speaking of box scores, by the way, Kirk Cousins, 25 of 40, 241 yards, 6 yards per attempt, 2 touchdowns, no picks. A 32.5 QBR and a 95.9 quarterback rating. So, again, it's the typical not-so-great, not-so-terrible, did-just-enough-to-win given the circumstances and the fact that the Vikings were a much better team than the Jets misleading if you didn't watch all of it because I don't know that I would say that Darnold was any worse than Cousins bar the two interceptions the third one as you said not his fault but the box scores make it seem like he was far worse than Kirk Cousins in this game Michael before we move ahead to our next game against the Bears let's talk about PFF how did they rank him here was it similar to your 43 ranking
1: yeah, and this one they gave him a pretty low grade, which similar to the box score, but I, I definitely disagree with that. There were some drops in this one. Uh, like we said, a, a lot there were in 2018 as much as 2019. I think that in 2019, I think the O-line was kind of hurting Sam Darnold a lot more, but in 2018, I think the receivers were a much bigger detriment than they were in 2019 because you know they did add Jameson Crowder. Le'Veon Bell was a huge upgrade over the running backs they had that year. Uh, So I think the receiving got a lot better. The O-line got worse. But uh, in 2018, and also Ryan Griffin as well, uh, even though Chris Herndon was out, uh, he took some targets away that would be going to Eric Tomlinson. So the receiving and the drops were a much bigger issue in 2018, and this was one of the biggest games. So I think they uh, underrated him as well.
2: Now let's move ahead to week number eight against the Chicago Bears. As you said, the Jets had three home games in a row. This was the first one on the road in a while, and it was the first of three to come And this was a really, really bad game for Sam Darnold. It was significantly worse than the Minnesota Vikings game. It was consistently bad, too. As you said with the Vikings, part of it was that there were some really good plays and some really bad plays. But in this one, it was just a miserable day. 13 positive plays, 16 negative plays. You gave him an overall grade of 37 which would make it the third worst performance of the 2018 season for him, the other ones being the Cleveland Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars. So talk to me about this one. Again, rollercoaster ride here with Darnold because we saw a couple of really nice games, and now we're spiraling back downward.
1: Yeah, this one, as much as the receivers didn't help him against the Vikings with drops, and this one, the problem was that absolutely no one, was getting open. And you're playing on the road against a Bears defense that was dominant that season. Uh, Robbie Anderson was out. Quincy Nunez was out. So it was as much of a mismatch as you could have on the outside. So there weren't a lot of people open in this game. It was tough uh, for them to do anything, no matter who the quarterback was, because that's how blanketed the receivers were in this game. But Darnold still didn't do his part very well. There were some Uh, late reads in which there were slight windows to get the ball. And that's really the biggest thing in this game. He was very inconsistent, but his mistakes weren't that catastrophic because there just wasn't that much there. But there were still opportunities for plays to be made that he wasn't taking advantage of. Just delivering balls a little bit late, a little bit high. And again, like I said, the windows were so tight in this game. They were open for such small periods of time that you almost had to be perfect to get anything done. But Uh, He wasn't close to that. He was really inconsistent in this game. But he did have a couple nice throws in this game to Deontay Burnett later on. He had, uh, for the second straight week, actually hit Chris Herndon on a corner route for a touchdown. So this was really the beginning of that connection with Chris Herndon. You start to see Herndon. uh, This was his third straight game, I believe. Yeah, third straight game with a touchdown for him. So you really start to see that connection start to blossom a little bit. But really the overall theme for Darnold in this game, he didn't do anything awful just because there it was hard for anything that he did to be awful just because everything around him was so poor he was under so much pressure there's nobody to throw to playing against this amazing defense on the road uh in probably one of the colder games he's ever played in to this point obviously as we get later into this season he'll start to play some of the first cold games of his life you know as a guy coming from southern california played in high school there college so uh really really difficult environment to play in there's not a lot for him to do. So nothing catastrophic in this game. There weren't really any plays where uh, just inexcusably bad, but there were some opportunities for plays to be made. The defense kept the jets in this game, but uh, they were not able to come back. And that was largely in part because of Darnold's inconsistency. There were some plays where he decided to scramble when there might've been windows uh, to throw the ball. And that that is not a common issue for him, but I think there were one or two plays in this game where he did that. And, and just over the middle, there were some inaccuracies, some, not near interceptions, but plays where uh, could have been caught that he kind of threw a little bit behind, let DBs make plays on the ball. There were a lot of plays on the ball by the Bears secondary in this game, and that's just a you know sh- an indictment of how tight the windows were in this game. You have the Jets already this season had one of the worst pass catching groups in the league, but you take out the best two receivers on that team, uh, you have Andre Roberts and Sharon Peak and Deontay Burnett. Trent Cannon, Elijah McGuire, Eric Tomlinson as your pass-catching group on the road in Chicago against an elite Bears defense best in the league last season. Um, it's a recipe for disaster, so it was going to be hard for him to do anything in this game given the circumstances, but the slight opportunities that were there he couldn't take advantage of. So A tough performance for him, second in a row against a really good NFC North defense, and the worst is yet to come, which we'll get to next, but uh, now there were some solid high points in this one like I said uh, the to Chris Herndon was really good he had a nice out route to Deontay Burnett that was really well timed so a couple nice throws but overall uh, a really inconsistent game in Chicago actually his second worst ratio of positive to negative plays uh, in his rookie season and the fourth worst of his career including 2019 so he's really inconsistent it was uh, tough circumstances and he was not able to beat those. But as we'll see, as we get later in this series, uh, there are some games that come up in which he does face these tough circumstances and he does start to overcome them. So I think even though he played badly in this game uh, based on what we saw from him later in his rookie season, what we saw this season in 2019, I think it was a useful, uh, a learning experience for him. Just being able fighting, having to fight through all of those obstacles, uh, I think definitely something that gave him some, Uh, Some valuable experience. And now we've seen him have a lot of games where he's been able to overcome some of those uh, detriments and be able to play really well. So even he was inconsistent. This game was one of his worst performances, but really tough circumstances. And I think he took a lot out of it.
2: I remember Deontay Burnett doing Really well in this game and afterwards A lot of people were questioning why Todd Bowles wasn't making more use Of him and saying that this was another Example of Todd Bowles being incompetent Of course we then saw the current Regime cut Deontay Burnett Outright so maybe it wasn't all Todd Bowles' fault although for a fleeting Moment here we did see some nice things From Burnett I also seem to Remember Sam Darnold having some Mechanical issues again some problems With his footwork did that show up when you rewatch this
1: yeah and that will definitely be more apparent when you're playing a game like this one against the bears where the windows are so tight you got to get the ball out at the perfect time if you're going to get the ball in there uh there, there are so many games where you know the defense just plays so bad or there's just such a big mismatch between the offense uh and the players covering them the receivers that the windows are so wide open it doesn't really matter how your mechanics are because they're such easy throws but that really shows up the most in a game like this one uh, against the Bears, where you know the windows are so small, you got to be so precise to get the ball in there that you know any small inaccuracy at all is when we're going to start you know nitpicking the footwork and saying, okay, well if he drove his foot, if he planted a little bit better, if he drove the ball a little bit more, uh, took a little bit more time to set himself, then he could have gotten the you know just a couple inches that he would need uh, to complete a ball. So especially you know really over the middle and outside uh, in that kind of seven, I'd say seven to twelve yard range that's where most of the throws were in this game. Definitely a lot of misses against really tight coverage and and that's something he's got to get better at because again, like I said, as great as the Bears played in this game, there are opportunities there if you if he did have better footwork, if he was more accurate, the Jets could have moved the ball enough not to, you know, explode offensively because there were so many limiting factors, but you know just to play well enough to win this game. The defense played pretty well, gave them a chance. Mitch Trubisky was really not that much better than Sam Darnold uh, regardless of what the numbers say, but Uh, In a game like this where the coverage is so tight, that's when footwork really gets magnified. That's when uh, you got to be precise to hit these throws. And, you know, even on throws that are completed, even though uh, they get completed because the windows are so so wide open, you want to have the best footwork possible to just maximize yards after catch, uh, give the receiver the best opportunity to catch the ball, make it as as easy as possible. So you can always criticize it, but it's going to get magnified. When the windows are tight and good footwork is the difference between a completion and an incompletion and uh, this game is an example of that and the next game as well which we're going to get into but uh, yeah the Bears game definitely the story that one extreme mismatch with the uh, with the Jets receivers on the outside versus a great defense tight windows and Darnold was not able to hit uh, to fit the ball into those windows.
2: And a perfect example of how a quarterback cannot be all that good But still look a lot better on the stat sheet Because from what I remember Trubisky was missing a lot of throws But made a lot of plays with his legs Funny enough, Sam Darnold didn't make nearly as many plays with his legs But this should tell you how poor the Jets' running attack was Isaiah Crowell, the Jets' leading rusher 25 yards, second leading rusher Sam Darnold with 22 So Sam Darnold was almost the Jets' leading rusher for the day With 22 yards yards on the ground and that is something obviously they have to work on in 2020 because it wasn't all that much better in 2019 before we move ahead michael let's talk about pff how close did they come to your grade on this one
1: yeah so these last two games are kind of questionable uh from pff so they gave him a 45 against the vikings a 60 uh actually overall uh that was just passing grade but overall grade 47 against the vikings 60.2 against the bears so uh I think this is a little high for the bears game. I know that uh, the circumstances were tough, but he, he was just really inaccurate in this game and the Vikings game is too low because uh, he made a lot of really good plays in that game. Uh, He had uh, the two interceptions weren't good, but overall he did make, uh, I think more, more big plays and he did big mistakes, even though he's inconsistent. So uh, I think they're a little bit too far in these games. Obviously I had the Vikings better, uh, they had I, I had the Vikings better, they have the Bears substantially better than the Vikings. So flip-flopped uh, from mine. But yeah, I definitely disagree this year. I think if they flipped them around, it'd make a little more sense. Because six C is a slightly below average grade for a quarterback and forty-seven is pretty bad. So I flipped them around. So Yeah, we came out on the opposite with these two games.
0: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted.
3: Play like a jet. Play
2: like a jet. We went from two below average games to now one of the worst games Sam Darnold has ever played, and that is in the state of Florida, which is a state that as we've mentioned before, Michael, he has not done well in so far for some reason. But the game on the road against the Miami Dolphins, he was really, really bad. He is positive to negative play ratio, 17 to 18, which doesn't necessarily jump out at you in and of itself. But when you look at the overall grade of 13, it tells the story. If I recall, we saw a lot of regression in terms of what we talked about before, the mechanics, the footwork, a lot of decision-making problems. This was all of the bad of the Sam Darnold rookie season rolled into one, and we saw it here in this performance. I would say that this one and the Browns game were the two worst of the season, and your chart seems to back that up.
1: Yeah, you definitely summed it up perf- uh, perfectly. Everything that he was struggling with, especially over those last two games as he kind of trickled down a little bit following that hot two-game stretch against the Broncos and Colts, everything that he was struggling with came to a head at, uh, in this game in Miami. So uh, I think he had yeah, he had four interceptions in this game, no touchdowns, obviously. Uh, and this is one of the ones where the stats say he was absolutely horrible, and he really was. There was not no really no big plays to show for in this game. He made one nice throw to Chris Herndon on a deep intermediate route on the outside early in the game, but that was really it. From that point on, he was really inaccurate, and we do have to give him in this game. Uh, this was a Spencer Long snapping debacle in the second half. Mm-hmm. I think Spencer Long had 15 bad snaps in this game, so which is absolutely ridiculous, something that, Uh, Most quarterbacks probably go multiple seasons without getting 15 bad snaps, but Darnold had to get 15 of them in about half of one game. So he did have to deal with that. And when I went back through and looked at his stats on those throws versus the good snap throws, his efficiency was way down. Uh, I think about three yards per attempt on those bad snaps and about seven on those good snaps, but three of his interceptions were on good snaps, uh, only one on a bad snap. So the bad snapping did not excuse the turnovers, but. Still, at the same time, even when he was getting good snaps, just when the center—it's—it's—it's it's, it's the same thing as pressure. Just because pressure isn't coming on a given snap, if you're having a game where you're heavily pressured, the center is constantly snapping the ball poorly. Then it just kind of gets to the quarterback's head and just throws the rhythm off. And you know, again, a good quarterback probably uh, should not be affected by these things, or they are not affected by these things. Uh, but for a young quarterback, it's definitely something that uh, can be really detrimental. And it was for Donald in this uh, in this game. So the interceptions were really bad. Uh, there was one he threw, uh, just a couple of interceptions in this one, where he really did not see the defense at all. Uh, one of them, he was just kind of chucking it up. It was the end of the game. Uh, but the worst one was the pick six that he threw uh, on the outside, a throw he really should not have tried. Linebacker came from underneath, picked it off, uh, took it to the house for the touchdown. And this, this was a game where the Jets' defense uh, against Brock Osweiler played as well as you could have asked them to, only gave up six points. Uh, the Jets couldn't even do enough to overcome that, and this was one where it was really all on Darnold. And even even with the Spen- Sp- and the offensive line was bad. Uh, like I said, Spencer Long with the snapping that was just awful. And Darnold took a forty four point two percent pressure rate in this game, uh, worst of the season to this point, and the second worst he would take in any game that he played in this season. So they did not help him once again. But still, this game was right there for the Jets to take. Uh, even with all the turnovers, they were there at the end, and he just consistently made bad decisions. The turnovers were the highlight, but his accuracy in this game was way off, especially in the short range. He just was not uh, making some of the easy throws that he should uh, – really any quarterback should be able to make. So this is one of the worst performances of his career, highlighted by uh, the turnovers, but uh, just the accuracy and everything and really all of those things uh, that were affecting him in this game, the bad snaps, all of that, just kind of uh, all came together and really – culminated in one of his worst performances to date, and really at this point you know, you've know, you had three straight tough games following that uh, two-game hot streak and this was really where uh, he was kind of at a low point here. This is when we were kind of uh, really looking at him and saying, alright, he's struggling. He's having a tough time right now, uh, and as it turns out, he would miss a few games after this uh, and that's when he would come back for that final four-game stretch, which of course we'll talk about next time, uh, but right after this he misses some time with a foot injury uh, then he comes back and has that great stretch to finish the season. So I think that uh, was really helpful for him. And, of course, we'll talk about that more next time. But uh, he goes into this injury, this three-game stretch that he misses, uh, coming off of three poor games in a row. His first, Really his first three-game set of pretty bad games. And, you know, he did have that stretch uh, in the beginning there. So, you know, his second set of three bad games in a row. So uh, he, But this was his worst game, uh, even worse than that Browns game in week three, I think. He was really bad in that Browns game uh, on Thursday night, but he didn't make the turnovers. Uh, He didn't have the big turnover mistakes in that one. He still had a few, and there were some uh, should-be interceptions in that Browns game, but uh, there were some egregious ones in this Dolphins game. And the best way to sum it up is that the average score I gave him on his negative plays in this game was only a 3.04, which is the worst I've given him in any game that he's played. Uh, in 2019 or 2018. So basically that means that when he was making a mistake, it was usually a pretty catastrophic mistake. So that was really uh, sums up this one. And on the other side, the average score of his positive plays was only a 5.5. That is also the lowest or or the worst of any game uh, that I've done in his career. So basically that shows that when he's doing something good, he wasn't really doing all that much. He was checking it down, just making uh, a decent smart read, executing an easy throw. Nothing splashy to really uh, show for this game. So the wow plays, that was really the big issue of this game. Lots of big turnovers and no big plays to make up for it. So And overall still really inconsistent. Uh, not really struggling to deal with the pressure and all the issues in front of him. So uh, everything that had gone wrong with with both Darnold and the Jets to this point of the season. Spencer Long, the snapping issues, the entire offensive line. Brandon Shell was really bad in this game. The run game was really struggling uh, ever since they went off for a franchise record against the Broncos. Right after that, they just—it's almost like they forgot how to run the ball. Look, kind of looked like the 2019 team. Uh, really struggled in the run game after that, and you know they kind of were terrible in the run game every single game other than that Broncos game. But uh, everything that the Jets were doing—failing uh, to support Sam Darnold, uh, the pressure, the center with the snapping issues, and then Darnold's own personal issues, the footwork. The turnovers kind of mounting a little bit uh, and just struggling to mitigate the issues in front of him. All that came together for his the worst performance of his rookie season against Miami.
2: I remember screaming at the TV to get Spencer Long out of the game. I couldn't believe that it would be possible that Jonathan Harrison would be worse because with those snaps, it was making it nearly impossible for Darnold. But Darnold was playing absolutely dreadfully anyway. And then, as you said, the rushing game, not so good. They were better than they were the week before against the Bears. Crowell, 13 carries for 49 yards, which is a bit of an improvement, but still wasn't going to get the job done. Even just looking at the box scores, you could see that Darnold was terrible And as you said, this is one of those where the box score matches the actual result because he was 21 of 39, 229 yards, 5.9 yards per attempt, four interceptions, 11.8 QBR and a 31.8 quarterback rating. And just to emphasize exactly how bad Sam Darnold was, Brock Osweiler was bad in this game. He was bad, but he was good enough that the Dolphins were able to get the win in this game. And you were sitting there at a certain point thinking to yourself, man, if only Sam Darnold could be as good as Brock Osweiler in this game, the Jets could steal this one because the final was 13-6. to Neither team could get out of their own way and score points. If Darnold had just not made the kind of mistakes that he made... The Jets easily could have won this one. And that goes to the point of what you were saying before, Michael. Sam Darnold, for the most part, has not been a quarterback that's cost the Jets games. He's not necessarily risen to the challenge of taking the offense on his shoulders. But when things are going well, he's fine. When things are going poorly, he goes with them. Rarely has he been the difference in terms of losing them games. But this is an example of a game that he absolutely did lose for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and the turnovers were the big thing because Brock Osweiler Osweiler was terrible in this game, but he did not have four picks, and Darnold also had another throw in this game that should have been intercepted, so uh, those were some big mistakes, and uh, when he was not really being too aggressive just kind of checking the ball down, you know, he did all right. He had a couple decent stretches uh, where he went, you know, five, six plays, just completing some healthy dump-offs, and that's all the Jets really needed in this game, but the pressure was just too much, and like I said, it was his second... Our highest pressure rate uh, on the season to date. you throw in the bad snaps. Uh, just a perfect storm of terrible things for a rookie quarterback to have to deal with. Obviously, eventually, you'd like to see him be able to overcome those things and lift the team up when he has to deal with them. And he did do a better job the next four games right after this, and then this season, uh, in 2019, a much better job in those high-pressure games. So really, this game and the Bears game, and they're in the Vikings game as well, three games where he really struggled under a lot of pressure, needed to overcome a lot of things and just gradually did a worse job each week overcoming those obstacles. But he comes back afterwards and, and does a really much better job of kind of o- figuring out how to overcome some of the things in front of him. You know, when the, these things are happening, when the offensive line struggles, when you don't have good receivers, when your running backs are dropping passes out of the backfield, it's going to limit the ceiling of the offense. You can't be the best in the league. You can't score 30 points. But as a quarterback, you could still – uh, do your part to try to overcome that. Just you know, make good throws under pressure. Don't make big mistakes. Get rid of the ball. You know, scramble, pick up one or two yards instead of taking a sack. Uh, just little things to keep your team in the game, uh, keep them from getting just completely sunk by turnovers. But in this game, turnovers were an issue. And and really, with Darnold, though, you look at it's this game in 2018, the Dolphins game. Uh, 2019, it was the Patriots game on Monday night. Kind of loaded up a good chunk. Of his turnovers in one game, but other than that, hasn't really had too many of these games, which I guess is good. But still, even what going forward, even one game like this Dolphins game in terms of the turnovers, uh, like the Patriots game, even one of those in a season uh, is too much. You definitely don't want to have uh, just because you look at how how often quarterbacks turn the ball over now in this league. Most starting quarterbacks don't even throw ten interceptions now. It just keeps going down and down. Fewer turnovers every single year. So, a four-interception game, like this one against the Dolphins, like he had against the Patriots, uh, those can't happen. You really cannot afford to have any of those going forward. So, hopefully, this is a, a thing of the past. Uh, obviously, we said that after 2018, turns out he did have another big one against the Patriots, but this is the thing he's got to kind of, uh, kind of cut down on, obviously. And, you know, overall, he does not, uh, he did get better turnovers a little bit this season uh, in terms of the interceptions, especially after that start of the season. But, Uh, You just like to not see these games where he divulges into throwing a lot of interceptions. And the Patriots game, too, the pressure was terrible in that game. But, no, like we said, he does improve with the pressure after this. But this Dolphins game was uh, definitely his worst game of the rookie season to that point. Uh, And uh, at least based on my grades and my own opinion, his second worst game uh, of his career. But he comes back and definitely looks like, uh, clearly seems like a guy who has learned a lot from specifically what happened in this Dolphins game. Uh, when he does return for the final quarter.
2: No interceptions for Osweiler in this game, but he just didn't do anything. Completed 15 passes for 139 yards, mostly checkdowns, nothing special, but this is the kind of performance that, as useless and bad as it is, Had Darnold replicated it, the Jets may have won And I think that is where you look at this And realize how disastrous a performance it is It kind of reminds me a little bit of Sanchez in 2009 Against the Buffalo Bills Throwing five interceptions in a game Where the Jets should have walked to victory Because the Bills were so bad And basically, the only thing that the Bills did all day Was one touchdown pass from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Lee Evans But that turned out to be all they needed To take the game to overtime and win it In this case, there was no overtime it was just two terrible teams doing very little and because Darnold gave the ball up so many times the Dolphins were able to do just enough to win despite the fact that Brock Osweiler did next to nothing the only silver lining in this game though Michael is the fact that as you said we see a connection growing between him and Christopher Herndon a really nice pass to Herndon at one point four catches for 62 yards for him so he's starting to develop Into what would become one of Sam Darnold's favorite targets down the stretch As we're going to see when we resume this series next week And we start talking about what happened when Sam Darnold came back from the injury At this point, a lot of people were getting nervous about Darnold And so in some ways, even though it was disappointing to see him sitting There was a sigh of relief that he was going to get a break Because I think a lot of people realized that it might be in his best interest to take a break at this point
1: yeah, definitely. It was the like we said. The, the struggles were really mounting. The run game getting worse. Injuries were piling up. Uh, piling up. They could not get a game with all the receivers healthy. And you know the receivers were struggling as it is. Quincy Nuno was clearly not himself throughout the season. Terrell Pryor was so bad that he got cut. Even uh, with as many injuries and struggles they were dealing with on offense, Spencer Long forgot how to snap the ball. And and we keep talking about Spencer Long, but. The whole offensive line was really bad. I mentioned Shell struggled a lot. Brian Winter struggled. Uh, but uh, really for Sam Darnold going forward, he's got to figure out that one state all the way down south. Uh, he's played uh, four games there now in uh, two years, uh, one against Jacksonville, one against Miami, both this year and last. And he struggled in all of those games. So he's got to figure out how to play there. The Jets go there every single season. They go to Jacksonville every now and then. He's got to figure out how to play in Florida. So that's one of the big keys for him going forward. If we take out those games, he's a pretty decent quarterback, both this season and last season. But uh, that he's got to figure out the Sunshine State. It's a big key.
2: That is going to wrap up. Part three of the Sam Darnold Project. Michael, thanks so much for joining me again. We will get into part four next week, the post-injury edition of the Sam Darnold Project as we close out the 2018 season. In the meantime, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what you're working on at your various websites that you're writing at, including jetsinsider.com with the very big deal, Chris Nimbley.
1: Yeah, I tweeted out all the articles Uh, that I write on Twitter. Uh, Got a really interesting series at Gangry Nation going through uh, some interviews with fellow AFC teams, rivals of the Jets, and how their seasons went, Uh, writers with those blogs. So that's been really interesting. Uh, Jets Insider, today uh, today as we're talking, this is uh, Tuesday, I put out a free agent profile, Brandon Scherf. I'm going to be going into some more free agent profiles as we get within uh, about a month and a half now uh, of free agency. So we'll be getting into free agents a little bit more so you know a lot of fun off season stuff coming and and I'm looking forward to coming back and talking about Darnold's final quarter of 2018 because this podcast was a little depressing with three <laughs> negative games but uh he came back and finished uh so strong over that final quarter of the season it was a lot of fun to watch and a sign of some really positive things to come uh much of which we did see this season it wasn't quite an example of what uh, something he would extrapolate over the col uh, over the whole 2019 season but uh, definitely was a great stepping stone. And uh, ever since this catastrophic Miami game, he's been a different quarterback. There have been low points, but he finished so strong uh, over those each of those final four games. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to talking about those. It was a, uh, that four-game stretch still, I think, even more so than uh, his hot streak in 2019, I think that four-game stretch in his rookie season is the best example of what Darnold can be at his best in this league. So I'm really looking forward to talk about those.
2: Depressing but necessary, Michael, because as they say, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So hopefully Sam Darnold is listening to this and he does not repeat the performances that he had in that stretch before the injury. I know that he had a couple of bad games in 2019 too, but I would like to not see another stretch this bad like we saw in his rookie season. Make sure you're following Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania, N-A-N-I-A. If you haven't given us a review yet on iTunes, if you could give us a five-star review, we really appreciate it. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it's an easy way to help out the show. So if you enjoy what we're doing, if you go ahead and do that, we'd be Grateful and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and Turn on the Jets.com.